Welcome to the Burn Bag. My name is Ryan Rosenthal here with Bucky Buteau from the Defense Innovation Unit, Director of Space Programs. Bucky, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. So the Defense Innovation Unit is a fascinating sub-program within DOD, and I think more people should learn about it. And so I think first and foremost, what is it that DIU does? So uh, DIU, or the Defense Innovation Unit, was created in 2015 under then Secretary of Defense Ash Carter with really the sole purpose of accelerating the adoption of commercial technology, the kind of commercial technology that you and I are using right now for your podcast, how to accelerate that new and emergent technology into the Department of Defense to, uh, to make a difference. So uh, we like to say uh, we accelerate the tech. Our goal is to transform uh, military capabilities and capacity and, then, uh, and to strengthen our innovation base. So we're not just using um, our traditional defense primes for all of our technology, uh, but we're also including other companies who would not normally be part of a defense ecosystem. So uh, it's been, uh, we've been doing this now for a number of years. It's been very rewarding. So the uh, areas of emerging technology that you guys focus on are, I mean, really run the gamut. And of course, you're the director of the space program. So yep. I'm curious, when you look into the future, next five years, what areas in particular do you see as being important? Right. So uh, the way that DIU is structured, we organize ourselves to, uh, to fast follow the most uh, interesting technology areas uh, where, where we think it can make a difference in the Department of Defense. So a great example is autonomy, right? Uh, uh, unmanned drones, uh, things that you can, you can see, and, and whether you're uh, a hobbyist out you know, uh, playing with drones and do, use it for film, but it, for a soldier, that's how they can build situational awareness in a battle space in a way that they haven't been able to do before. Uh, but anyways, autonomy, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, so how we're using uh, new algorithms to, uh, to, to uh, give us uh, glimpses of interesting information on our large data sets. Uh, cyber, uh, so uh, right now, uh, the best cyber capab capabilities on planet Earth are coming out of the commercial sector. And uh, and uh, and it's a it's a great market, and we want to leverage that uh, space. Of course, I'm uh, partial okay. to this is my uh, portfolio. Uh, we have a human systems portfolio, uh, and that's really cool. So uh, I'm wearing a a, a a Garmin watch and an Aura ring. Yeah. All my data goes back into the cloud, and and they're evaluating my human performance on a regular basis. So uh, so, but it could be anything that touches a soldier, sailor, airman. Marine Guardian, uh, and or it could be something that helps improve their situational awareness, like uh, better use of technology to uh, to uh, see at night or or to uh, detect things in, in, within their proximity. So, uh, but it could also in include training devices, and we've done a lot of number of things like that. And the last one, uh, our newest portfolio is uh, advanced energy and materials. So the uh, we're uh, we're breaking into the energy sector and taking advantage of a lot of really new tech. That's coming through them. It's all very exciting, and DIU is kind of at an interesting intersection between the private sector and the public sector. Yep. And so, with the armed forces, you of course mentioned your aura ring and your watch. These mm -hmm. are things that could absolutely have uses in, in the military. And so, how effective has the armed forces been in attracting private sector engagement? Is there enough kind of conversation or communication between public and private right now? Uh, absolutely. So, uh, so when I say. Uh, for the Department of Defense, we have an innovation ecosystem. Uh, DIU is one of the early stakeholders in that. Much earlier, it would be DARPA. Yeah, we all know about DARPA and, and their contribution to creating the internet. So, uh, 
Um, but we've expanded this out, and so there's uh, there's programs. Uh, the Air Force has AFWorks, uh, SpaceWorks ha uh, for the Space Force, Naval X for the Navy. Uh, there's a there's a whole host of programs. Each service component has that, and um, now most of those services, what they use is uh, small business innovative research uh, money uh, that the department has uh, about three billion dollars worth. Uh, to look and do discovery and, and uh, look at ways that they can solve small problems, uh, you know that uh, that are that are relevant to those tactical forces. But if you want to do something big and audacious, you go through DIU. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, as we work with uh, venture-backed startups, uh, and uh, and we know how to we know how to facilitate um, through collaboration uh, interesting partnerships between different companies and uh, to meet. Uh, you know, rather than the services giving them a requirement and say, build this for me, we, uh, we encourage the uh, department to give the companies a problem, yeah. a, a wicked problem, and say, tell us how you would solve this with your commercial solution, which is really uh, pretty empowering. Yeah, it's a great kind of solution to these, all these challenges. Yeah. And so when you have all these challenges across the services, mm -hmm. is there communication inter-service? Are we having effective communication? So... We're preventing siloing of information or siloing of problems. Yeah, so, well, I can speak about the way that DIU does it because we're really a joint force uh, innovation organization. So uh, because of the fact that we ask uh, companies to solve the problem, we get lots of different uh, uh, solution sets, right? I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, we do a small responsive launch, all the small launch companies. Uh, Virgin Orbit launches from an airplane. Uh, uh, Astra launches from uh, mobile, uh, uh, completely mobile launch programs, right. and then uh, and we have Spin Launch, which is a kinetic launcher. So they have all. We don't. We're not prescribing how to do it, but what we do is we put a, a lot of scope on these on these contracts, so the companies can uh, can give us the, their best solutions, and we can we can try a sample a bunch of them. At any point, any other service can come in. Uh, and say, oh, I want to try to exercise uh, something on this contract, and we could just modify the contract and add that additional work for that customer. So it's it's really neat, and we we can do this in a prototyping environment, which means we're going to give it a test drive, we're going to validate that it can satisfy the needs for the for the military, and then uh, it's up to the service to uh, to take it to a, a procurement contract. And if they can't, we have uh, the authority to, to do that without recompetition under our uh, uh, commercial solutions opening uh, contract vehicle, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you're bringing the startup effectiveness, efficiency, and speed to launch these solutions for the U.S. military, which is yep. so important. Um, but when you think about the companies that are being involved, I mean, how difficult is it for smaller businesses, for you know startups that don't have an in, to get involved doing government procurement work? Right. So... Uh, so uh, I want to differentiate between small uh, small businesses and startups because sure. uh, uh, because uh, and and when when we talk startups in our vernacular we're thinking venture backed startups. Yep. So the uh, the most important thing is is if they've uh, if it's a venture backed startup they're already on a vector and uh, we don't want to take them off of that vector uh, because uh, you know we want to we want to leverage that capital investment and uh, and use that commercial technology. Uh, in, in a smart way. So, so um, uh, now if they're a small business, let's say they're a pre-series uh, 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 stage thing, they got some seed money, yeah. and uh, and they got a, a really great idea. 
we can get started with them, but we're, uh, we want them to tell us, what's your commercialization plan? How are you going to raise the money? Is this commercially viable? And so we have ways of uh, working through uh, three different teams at DIU. So uh, one of which is our uh, commercial engagement team. And there are, uh, uh, there are, are, are whispers to the venture community, sure. right? So they, they do all the investor relations and, uh, and they will, they will go find out, well, what did the investors see uh, uh, interesting with these companies? Where's the opportunity space? And, and if we do a really good job, we can actually help accelerate, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, their, their product uh, for both markets. Right. So we want, we want companies to feel like there's, uh, there's value add to, uh, to working with DOD. Um, but, um, and we, and we have, we have everything from those small companies up to big corporations, uh, even uh, defense primes. So uh, if, if you, uh, we just did a project where we uh, opened a solicitation. We had 136 companies apply, and uh, a handful of them were Fortune 100 companies. Uh, another group was Fortune 500 companies, and then another group was venture-backed startups. And we picked from each of those camps, and we're bringing them all together to solve an interesting problem. I mean, so when you think about these solutions, emerging technology can be very complicated in many scenarios, and so yep. you have to develop and deploy these solutions with speed yeah. in order for them to be effective. And so how does DIU approach the actual development process and not getting bogged down in R&D and process and the big bureaucracy that is of yeah. government? Well, let's take the first one, R&D. Uh, even though we're in a research and engineering organization, we don't do R&D. What we do is we leverage other people's R&D. Yeah. So, uh, and the first thing we do there is uh, um, we do our diligence. You know, uh, we can't. The, we have to make sure it's technically feasible. In other words, there's no violation of physics, right? Yeah. So, uh, but uh, we, if we satisfy that, and we say, is it commercially viable? Are we? Is this something that's only going to be, be a, uh, for a defense market, or is this something that their company is developing for a commercial market? It's it's really tough to get. Uh, financial backing if you're just trying to develop uh, for the defense market. However, it's not impossible. We've had a couple companies, one of them being Shield AI, uh, which is a great example of one that actually started developing for, uh, and they were all special operators, so they knew exactly what their community of interest needed. So they started there, and then they broadened in, in the commercial realm. So uh, the nice thing is we have a lot of uh, flexibility, uh, very few uh, rules. Um, well, there are there are some hard and fast rules. We have to compete our contracts. You know, we yeah. can't just uh, you know get a magic wand and award a contract that way. We have to; they have to be competed. Uh, and, uh, and there's a few other uh, things that are explained on our website, but uh, it works really well. And then, of course, uh, every year we have more and more people responding to uh, our solicitations, which is really great, and from uh, all over the country and uh, foreign countries. So uh, if we have a uh, a commercial technology from a, a foreign country that looks really good, we can actually start uh, working with that company. And uh, eventually, if they see good business, they may set up a U.S. subsidiary. And we have some examples of that. Um, ISI is a satellite company that did this. Uh, rocket Lab is a rocket company that's done this. So, um, and uh, of course, for cyber and everything else, so it's, it's really good. And, you know, when we go to war, we, we go to war with our uh, as a coalition with our allies and partners. So uh, the, the allied uh, industrial base is part of that, that partnership too now. So, uh, so we like to, we like to you know, be uh, 
you know, very diverse in, in how we uh, approach it. Well, it's just one final question before we wrap up today. I want yeah, to yeah. ask about space because you're the director of the space program. Yep. So as director, what are you most excited about when looking at the landscape of emerging technology in space? How likely is it that through DIU that we have some emerging technologies that are going to propel us back to further space exploration, mm-hmm. more hard and fast kind of propulsion technologies, and even whatever else we need in order to make sure that we are safer in space. Yeah. Within your lifetime, and I, I, w- I would say, I'll be bold and say within the next 20 years, yeah. right? Uh, you're going to see economic development in space, mm-hmm. and you're going to start to see human settlements in space, both uh, space stations and, um, and the moon. And Mars is maybe a little bit longer out, but, uh, but that's, there's serious object, uh, and not just, it's not just the government. I mean, the uh, government's doing it through NASA is doing human exploration. We're talking about industry going there and people with tourism, all that stuff. And so they, um, but there's money to be made. Uh, and there's three areas that we kind of focus on. One is communications. There's no internet in space. Yeah. All right. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. There is no internet in space. There's no cloud in space. Uh-huh. Right. So and we have all these sensors, and so they. Uh, so I, I think the first wave of uh, of uh, big revenue generation is going to be with uh, with uh, internet and space capabilities, and not just not just uh, uh, internet for Earth's sake, but you know how do we connect and uh, have a scalable network, uh, Earth, Moon, Mars system, and so we uh, we have an initiative that's focused on that where we collaborate with NASA. That's pretty cool. Uh, another area is modularity uh, and uh, sustainability. So uh, we have right now the old school way is build a satellite the sco- uh, size of a school bus with a lot of capability, a lot of resiliency, put it in space for 20 years and, and watch it work. And, and those we call those exquisite systems. So uh, the James Webb Space Telescope is a great example. It's exquisite. It's going to be there. Nobody needs to touch it. It's going to do its job. Right. Uh, but... Uh, but what happens is the rate of change in technology is such today that uh, if you had modularity, if you could uh, swap out a, uh, a processor or add a transponder or add more fuel or all these things, that basically satellites are going to become more like cell phone towers, uh, which evolve over time in order to what maintain their technological relevance and maximize revenue generation. So, so that. That on the we talked about digital and physical infrastructure in those two realms, and uh, the other one is could be power. Uh, so uh, we there's everything in space right now is solar powered, but there's other uh, and you're, you're familiar with fission, but there's fusion reactions and and there's uh, fusion technology which uh, is going to mature within the next decade. That's going to enable us to uh, uh, to build you know industrial sized things on the moon. Uh, or to have satellites that work continuously uh, because the power is not a, uh, a problem. And that's going to help move the... Uh, uh, here's the cool thing about that. That's going to allow us to move a lot of uh, uh, climate-unfriendly technology off planet Earth and, and do things uh, in space or in other places uh, so that we, like, we can preserve our, our, our climate. A great example of that is data centers, right? They, uh, data centers are big carbon hogs, <laughs> so they... Uh, well, they, they use a lot of power. Yeah. And so if you can put a sustainable data center in space um, and, uh, and with you know continuous power and cooling and everything else like that, that's actually not a bad deal. So, so it's, there's lots of great opportunities, and, uh, and the commercial sector is actually leading the way. That's why I said fast forward on the, the first part. Uh, 
uh, we want to position the uh, department so that we can stay tightly coupled to the current state of technology. Well, Bucky, it seems like DIU is doing fabulous work. It's very interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. I appreciate it. Well, thank you.